Chapter eighteen of the Enchanted April by Elizabeth von Arnim. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. They had a very pleasant walk, with a great deal of sitting down in warm, time fragrant corners, and if anything could have helped Rose to recover from the bitter disappointment of the morning, it would have been the company and conversation of Mr. Briggs. He did help her to recover and the same process took place as that which Lottie had undergone with her husband, and the more Mr. Briggs thought Rose charming, the more charming she became. Briggs was a man incapable of concealments, who never lost time if he could help it. They had not got to the end of the headland where the lighthouse is. Briggs asked her to show him the lighthouse, because the path to it, he knew, was wide enough for two to walk abreast and fairly level, before he had told her of the impression she made on him in London. Since even the most religious, sober women like to know that they have made an impression, particularly the kind that has nothing to do with character or merits, Rose was pleased. Being pleased, she smiled. Smiling, she was more attractive than ever. Colour came into her cheeks and brightness into her eyes she heard herself saying things that really sounded quite interesting and even amusing if frederick were listening now she thought perhaps he would see that she couldn't after all be such a hopeless bore for here was a man nice-looking young and surely clever he seemed clever and she hoped he was for then the compliment would be still greater who was evidently quite happy to spend the afternoon just talking to her and indeed mr briggs seemed very much interested he wanted to hear all about everything she had been doing from the moment she got there he asked her if she had seen this that and the other in the house what she liked best which room she had if she were comfortable if francesca was behaving if domenico took care of her and whether she didn't enjoy using the yellow sitting-room the one that got all the sun and looked out towards genoa rose was ashamed how little she had noticed in the house and how few of the things he spoke of as curious or beautiful in it she had even seen swamped in thoughts of frederick she appeared to have lived in san salvatore blindly and more than half the time had gone and what had been the good of it she might just as well have been sitting hankering on hampstead heath no she mightn't through all her hankerings, she had been conscious that she was at least in the very heart of beauty, and indeed it was this beauty, this longing to share it, that had first started her off hankering. Mr. Briggs, however, was too much alive for her to be able to spare any attention at this moment for Frederick, and she praised the servants in answer to his questions, and praised the yellow sitting-room, without telling him she had only been in it once and then was ignominiously ejected and she told him she knew hardly anything about art and curiosities but thought perhaps if somebody would tell her about them she would know more and she said she had spent every day since her arrival out of doors because out of doors there was so very wonderful and different from anything she had ever seen briggs walked by her side along his paths that were yet so happily for the moment her paths and felt all the innocent glows of family life he was an orphan and an only child and had a warm domestic disposition 
he would have adored a sister and spoilt a mother and was beginning at this time to think of marrying for though he had been very happy with his various loves each of whom contrary to the usual experience turned ultimately into his devoted friend he was fond of children and thought he had perhaps now got to the age of seeing if he did not wish to be too old by the time his eldest son was twenty san salvatore had latterly seemed a little forlorn he fancied it echoed when he walked about it he had felt lonely there so lonely that he had preferred this year to miss out a spring and let it it wanted a wife in it it wanted that final touch of warmth and beauty for he never thought of his wife except in terms of warmth and beauty she would of course be beautiful and kind it amused him how much in love with this vague wife he was already at such a rate was he making friends with the lady with a sweet name as he walked along the path towards the lighthouse that he was sure presently he would be telling her everything about himself and his past doings and his future hopes and the thought of such a swiftly developing confidence made him laugh why are you laughing she asked looking at him and smiling it's so like coming home he said but it is coming home for you to come here i mean really like coming home to one's one's family i never had a family i'm an orphan oh are you said rose with a proper sympathy i hope you've not been one very long no i don't mean i hope you have been one very long no i don't know what i mean except that i'm sorry he laughed again oh i'm used to it i haven't anybody no sisters or brothers then you're an only child she observed intelligently yes and there's something about you that's exactly my idea of of a family she was amused so cosy he said looking at her and searching for a word you wouldn't think so if you saw my house in hampstead she said a vision of that austere and hard-seated dwelling presenting itself in her mind with nothing soft in it except the shunned and neglected dubarry sofa no wonder she thought for a moment clear-brained that frederick avoided it there was nothing cosy about his family i don't believe any place you lived in could be anything but exactly like you he said you're not going to pretend san salvatore is like me indeed i do pretend it surely you admit that it is beautiful he said several things like that she enjoyed her walk she could not recollect any walk so pleasant since her courting days she came back to tea bringing mr briggs and looking quite different mr wilkins noticed from what she had looked till then trouble here trouble here thought mr wilkins mentally rubbing his professional hands he could see himself being called in presently to advise on the one hand there was arbuthnot on the other hand here was briggs trouble brewing trouble sooner or later but why had briggs's telegram acted on the lady like a blow if she had turned pale from excess of joy then trouble was nearer than he had supposed she was not pale now she was more like her name than he had yet seen her well he was the man for trouble he regretted of course that people should get into it but being in he was their man 
and mr wilkins invigorated by these thoughts his career being very precious to him proceeded to assist in doing the honours to mr briggs both in his quality of sharer in the temporary ownership of san salvatore and of probable helper out of difficulties with great hospitality and pointed out the various features of the place to him and led him on to the parapet and showed him mezzago across the bay mrs fisher too was gracious this was the young man's house he was a man of property she liked property and she liked men of property also there seemed a peculiar merit in being a man of property so young inheritance of course and inheritance was more respectable than acquisition it did indicate fathers and in an age where most people appeared neither to have them nor to want them she liked this too accordingly it was a pleasant meal with everybody amiable and pleased briggs thought mrs fisher a dear old lady and showed he thought so and again the magic worked and she became a dear old lady she developed benignity with him and a kind of benignity that was almost playful actually before tea was over including in some observation she made him the words my dear boy strange words in mrs fisher's mouth it is doubtful whether in her life she had used them before rose was astonished how nice people really were when would she leave off making mistakes about them she hadn't suspected this side of mrs fisher and she began to wonder whether those other sides of her with which alone she was acquainted had not perhaps after all been the effect of her own militant and irritating behaviour probably they were how horrid then she must have been she felt very penitent when she saw mrs fisher beneath her eyes blossoming out into real amiability the moment some one came along who was charming to her and she could have sunk into the ground with shame when mrs fisher presently laughed and she realised by the shock it gave her that the sound was entirely new not once before had she or any one else there heard mrs fisher laugh what an indictment of the lot of them for they had all laughed the others some more and some less at one time or another since their arrival and only mrs fisher had not clearly since she could enjoy herself as she was now enjoying herself she had not enjoyed herself before nobody had cared whether she did or not except perhaps lottie yes lottie had cared and had wanted her to be happy but lottie seemed to produce a bad effect on mrs fisher while as for rose herself she had never been with her for five minutes without wanting really wanting to provoke and oppose her how very horrid she had been she had behaved unpardonably her penitence showed itself in a shy and deferential solicitude towards mrs fisher which made the observant briggs think her still more angelic and wish for a moment that he was an old lady himself in order to be behaved to by rose arbuthnot just like that there was evidently no end he thought to the things she could do sweetly he would even not mind taking medicine really nasty medicine if it were rose arbuthnot bending over him with the dose she felt his bright blue eyes the brighter because he was so sunburnt fixed on her with a twinkle in them and smiling asked him what he was thinking about but he couldn't very well tell her that he said and added some day 
trouble trouble thought mr wilkins at this again mentally rubbing his hands well i'm their man i'm sure said mrs fisher benignly you have no thoughts we may not hear i'm sure said briggs i would be telling you every one of my secrets in a week you would be telling somebody very safe then said mrs fisher benevolently just such a son would she have liked to have had and in return she went on i dare say i would tell you mine ah no said mr wilkins adapting himself to this tone of easy badinage i must protest i really must i have a prior claim i am the older friend i have known mrs fisher ten days and you briggs have not yet known her one i assert my right to be told her secrets first that is he added bowing gallantly if she has any which i beg leave to doubt oh haven't i exclaimed mrs fisher thinking of those green leaves that she should exclaim at all was surprising but that she should do it with gaiety was miraculous rose could only watch her in wonder then i shall worm them out said briggs with equal gaiety they won't need much worming out said mrs fisher my difficulty is to keep them from bursting out it might have been lotty talking mr wilkins adjusted the single eyeglass he carried with him for occasions like this and examined mrs fisher carefully rose looked on unable not to smile too since mrs fisher seemed so much amused though rose did not quite know why and her smile was a little uncertain for mrs fisher amused was a new sight not without its awe-inspiring aspects and had to be got accustomed to what mrs fisher was thinking was how much surprised they would be if she told them of her very odd and exciting sensation of going to come out all over buds they would think she was an extremely silly old woman and so would she have thought as lately as two days ago but the bud idea was becoming familiar to her she was more apprivoisée now as dear matthew arnold used to say and though it would undoubtedly be best if one's appearance and sensations matched yet supposing they did not one couldn't have everything was it not better to feel young somewhere rather than old everywhere time enough to be old everywhere again inside as well as out when she got back to her sarcophagus in prince of wales terrace yet it is probable that without the arrival of briggs mrs fisher would have gone on secretly fermenting in her shell the others only knew her as severe it would have been more than her dignity could bear suddenly to relax especially towards the three young women but now came the stranger briggs a stranger who at once took to her as no young man had taken to her in her life and it was the coming of briggs and his real and manifest appreciation for just such a grandmother thought briggs hungry for home life and its concomitants would he have liked to have that released mrs fisher from her shell and here she was at last as lotty had predicted pleased good-humoured and benevolent lotty coming back half an hour later from her picnic and following the sound of voices into the top garden in the hope of still finding tea saw at once what had happened for mrs fisher at that very moment was laughing she's burst her cocoon thought lotty and swift as she was in all her movements and impulsive 
and also without any sense of propriety to worry and delay her, she bent over the back of Mrs. Fisher's chair and kissed her. "'Good gracious!' cried Mrs. Fisher, starting violently, for such a thing had not happened to her since Mr. Fisher's earlier days, and then only gingerly. This kiss was a real kiss, and rested on Mrs. Fisher's cheek a moment, with a strange, soft sweetness. When she saw whose it was, a deep flush spread over her face. Mrs. Wilkins kissing her, and the kiss feeling so affectionate, even if she had wanted to, she could not, in the presence of the appreciative Mr. Briggs, resume her cast-off severity and begin rebuking again. But she did not want to. Was it possible Mrs. Wilkins liked her? Had liked her all this time, while she had been so much disliking her herself? A queer little trickle of warmth filtered through the frozen defences of Mrs. Fisher's heart. Somebody young, kissing her somebody young wanting to kiss her very much flushed she watched the strange creature apparently quite unconscious she had done anything extraordinary shaking hands with mr briggs on her husband's introducing him and immediately embarking on the friendliest conversation with him exactly as if she had known him all her life what a strange creature what a very strange creature it was natural she being so strange that one should have perhaps misjudged her i'm sure you want some tea said briggs with eager hospitality to lotty he thought her delightful freckles picnic untidiness and all just such a sister would he this is cold he said feeling the teapot i'll tell francesca to make you some fresh he broke off and blushed aren't i forgetting myself he said laughing and looking round at them very natural very natural mr wilkins reassured him i'll go and tell francesca said rose getting up no no said briggs don't go away and he put his hands to his mouth and shouted francesca shouted briggs she came running no summons in their experience had been answered by her with such celerity her master's voice remarked mr wilkins aptly he considered make fresh tea ordered briggs in italian quick quick and remembering himself he blushed again and begged everybody's pardon very natural very natural mr wilkins reassured him briggs then explained to lotty what he had explained twice already once to rose and once to the other two that he was on his way to rome and thought he would get out at mezzago and just look in to see if they were comfortable and continue his journey the next day staying the night in a hotel in mezzago but how ridiculous said lotty of course you must stay here it's your house there's kate lumley's room she added turning to mrs fisher you wouldn't mind mr briggs having it for one night kate lumley isn't in it you know she said turning to briggs and laughing and mrs fisher to her immense surprise laughed too she knew that any other time this remark would have struck her as excessively unseemly and yet now she only thought it funny no indeed she assured briggs kate lumley was not in that room very fortunately for she was an excessively wide person and the room was excessively narrow kate lumley might get into it but that was about all once in she would fit it so tightly that probably she would never be able to get out again it was entirely at mr briggs's disposal 
and she hoped he would do nothing so absurd as go to an hotel he the owner of the whole place rose listened to this speech wide-eyed with amazement mrs fisher laughed very much as she made it lotty laughed very much too and at the end of it bent down and kissed her again kissed her several times so you see my dear boy said mrs fisher you must stay here and give us all a great deal of pleasure a great deal indeed corroborated mr wilkins heartily a very great deal repeated mrs fisher looking exactly like a pleased mother do said rose on briggs's turning inquiringly to her how kind of you all he said his face broad with smiles i'd love to be a guest here what a new sensation and with three such he broke off and looked around i say he asked oughtn't i to have a fourth hostess francesca said she had four mistresses yes there's lady caroline said lotty then hadn't we better find out first if she invites me to oh but she's sure began lotty the daughter of the droitwiches briggs said mr wilkins is not likely to be wanting in the proper hospitable impulses the daughter of the repeated briggs but he stopped dead for there in the doorway was the daughter of the droitwiches herself or rather coming towards him out of the dark doorway into the brightness of the sunset was that which he had not yet in his life seen but only dreamed of his ideal of absolute loveliness End of chapter eighteen